Welcome to the Social Pros Podcast, the content marketing awards winner for best marketing podcast. This is where we shine the spotlight on real people doing real work in social media and learn the social secrets of the world's most interesting brands. Social Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, social media strategy advisors and counselors to leading brands and organizations worldwide. Convince and Convert makes your social better. Emma, which provides innovative email marketing tools that drive brilliant results. Salesforce Marketing Cloud, inspiring one-to-one connections with your customers with integrated solutions for social, mobile, email, web, and advertising. And Yext, whose award-winning location management platform helps companies of all sizes drive more foot traffic to their doors. With Yext, update your location data once and publish it to your website, apps, over 100 publishers, including Google, Apple Maps, Facebook, Bing, and Yahoo. That's the power of location. That's Yext. Your Social Pros co-hosts are Adam Brown from Salesforce Marketing Cloud and Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. Ready? Let's get to work. Welcome, everybody, to Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. I am, as always, Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, joined again this week by my special Texas friend. He is the executive strategist for Salesforce Marketing Cloud. He is my friend and yours, Mr. Adam Brown. Well, hello, Jay. Man, How are I'm things fired up. I'm, I'm, are I'm fired up about this episode. We should have, what we should have done is we should have packaged this episode alongside our recent tequila episode that we did with our friend Adrian Parker and had sort of a food and booze social pros combo. That, that was exactly what I was thinking. In fact, I was going to remark that you know after doing these two podcasts, I'm going to go have to go run about five miles just from the virtual calories that we've consumed of tequila and burgers. Well, I tell you what, I am a, a burger guy. My dad owned a, a, a steakhouse and burger place in Arizona when I was just a boy. I was raised uh, behind the bar playing the jukebox with a fistful of quarters. A lot of Helen Reddy back in those days for you oh, older listeners. Yeah. Uh, one of those kind of places with sawdust on the floor and all that. So uh, I've been a burger aficionado for a long time. But I got to tell you, I don't know anybody, and I mean this quite sincerely, I don't know anybody who knows more about the world of burgers and ground beef than today's special guest on the show, uh, he is Rev Ciancio, who is the director of marketing for Schweid & Sons, a fourth-generation company out of New Jersey that supplies ground beef to some of the most noteworthy restaurants in the country, many of which uh, our listeners will be familiar with. Rev, thanks so much for being on Social Pros. Thank you for having me. I like burgers. You do indeed like burgers, and we'll talk about that a little bit because how you got this job is is an amazing amazing story uh but i'm delighted to have you on the show in particular because schweid and sons is really a b2b business right you you are uh not selling uh burgers to consumers out of a food truck or a restaurant you're not even selling ground beef to consumers uh via the internet or direct you really have a, a multifaceted distribution strategy where your customers are other businesses and i thought it might make sense for you to break that down for the listeners to start off and tell them a little bit about the history of the company uh and what you really do Sure. So we would technically call ourselves a purveyor, but really what that is is a uh, industry-specific way of saying manufacturer. Uh, we make ground beef. That's all we've done for 39 and a half years when David Schweid uh, started this company on Gansevoort Street in the Meatpacking District in 1978. He was making burgers uh, for restaurants, and that's still what we do today. Uh, and in fact, I was just telling you guys before we started, 
If you work here, you do one of two things all day. You either make burgers or you make the business of burgers and we don't do anything else. Um, so we're highly, highly uh, specialized in what we do. And and in, in terms of the way the business works here, uh, so we as a manufacturer, we make burgers and then we sell them to distributors and then that's kind of the end of the business transaction. But those aren't the people who are using them. Uh, it's either restaurant owners or chefs, or we also sell to uh, grocery stores. So if you're a consumer, you can walk into, uh, I think, one of 6,300 stores we're in and buy one of our burgers to cook at home. But we don't deal with the end user. We don't have a connection to them from a business standpoint. Is it customary that that a company in the meat business would, would only do ground beef, or is that an unusual circumstance? It's that's a great question. It's actually pretty unusual. Um, what you'll usually see is you'll get protein guys that will cut steaks and have fowl and seafood and pork and all kinds of things. And they're sort of, you know, more of like the advanced level of a butcher. Um, being highly specialized is super unique. And some people might say foolish, but, you know, we've, we've been around for 40 years. It doesn't look like we're going anywhere at this point. And certainly hamburgers aren't leaving menus anytime soon. Uh, that's one of my favorite uh, early 80s rock bands, the Protein Guys. Um, that would be a great, <laughs> a great band name. We should start, we should start that. Um, so one of the things that's really interesting to me about your business uh, and, and sort of about your role is that you've been the marketing director for a couple of years now. Is that right? Something like that? Two, three uh, years? November 2013. Yep. Yeah. And, and so before you uh, came on board, the business was called Burger Maker. Correct. Is that, is that, do I have that right? That is correct. So Burger Maker was the name of the company uh, dating back a long, long time. Uh, and you came in, rebranded it, new website. All your stuff looks really great, by the way. Thank uh, you. And now it's Schweid and Sons. And so what some people would say, I'm not certain that I would say this, but maybe I would in a conference room. Hey, why are we changing from a name that says exactly what we do when we have this unique specialty business to something that doesn't say what we do at all? And I know you probably have a really good answer for that. And I'm curious as to what it is. So my very first day starting here was also the very first day that we brought on a marketing agency. Uh, so my very first meeting was, okay, what are we doing? Um, and the conversation was, look, this, this company has a lot of heritage, whether it's you know from the family or from being from New York or just making one product. And we had this whole story uh, that just wasn't being told. And the name Burger Maker, well, it might seem obvious what we did and clearly we could make that happen. We weren't telling the story of the brand and we weren't adding value to the product. And so in our universe, you could get ground beef from us. You could get it from companies that are much, much larger than us. You could get it from the corner butcher. You could grind it yourself. You have all kinds of options. And so one of the very first conversations I was a part of here was what makes us different? What makes us special? Uh, and in today's market, I think that's the question everybody needs to ask their business. And one of the things we looked at was like, well, we have this really amazing story. Like, that's all this family has done for four generations is cut beef. And so we we rebranded the company with the idea of like, let's tell a better story and let's tell the truth and let's give people a real look inside what it is, what we do and how this all came to be. Oh, fantastic. There's a, there's a lesson there for Social Pros listeners uh, on, on looking back into your history to find that point of differentiation. Uh, it's really, really smart. Now, one of the things that you do uh, particularly well in social media is Instagram. Uh, there are several accounts out there uh, on Instagram, and I have uh, uh, followed many of them because of my burger fandom. Uh, that that essentially it's burger porn, right? It's it's this is the uh, craziest, most beautiful, sloppiest, most egregiously awesome uh, burger. And there are several accounts that that create that kind of content on Instagram. And then you go through, find some of the best of those, and curate them on your own account. And it's going really well, yeah. Uh, that's 
mostly correct. Um, a lot of those burgers are my own as well. That's the nice. only part I would say different, but yeah. So, you know, we've learned over time that like, look, if we take that like pale yellowish, like unexciting burger that maybe you had for dinner last week or that you grew up eating, it's not going to get likes and it's not going to get engagement. And therefore we can't get you to click on our bio and take an action of what we're looking to get you to do. So instead we put up there what you would call burger porn, but we're a family owned and operated company. So we don't really use that word. <laughs> <laughs> but we can on the podcast. Sure. Hey, we use we Hero talked, Burger. That, that's uh, our word. Hero, Hero Burger. Burgers. I like that. Okay, I fine. Like that. Hero, it's Hero Burger, uh, which is coming soon from uh, from Marvel Studios. Um, <laughs> so you have said that the new Instagram algorithm, which is very controversial uh, in that Instagram is now serving up photos and, and videos uh, based on some of the same techniques and technologies that have been present in the Facebook newsfeed for a long time. That's now uh, moved over to Instagram. Lots of brands were upset about that the same way they were upset about the Facebook newsfeed uh, algorithm changes. But you say that the Instagram algorithm has been really, really good news for you. I don't hear that very often from people. Why, why is that the case for you? Well, I mean, to be honest, I was pretty worried about it when they first uh, announced it because on our Facebook page, we do suffer from the algorithm and, you know, less than 1% or whatever. Uh, and when Instagram came around, I was like, look, this channel is growing for us. We're, we really got like a nice audience here and we're able to use it to to have secondary and tertiary initiatives. So I was pretty worried, but it launched and we went from getting, you know, on average, 150 to 200 likes on a photo, uh, and you know maybe three or four comments, and then maybe like one or two clicks to a link if we had a call to action, to five, six, you know, ten times that amount. We had a photo last week uh, break our likes record that had 4,983 uh, likes, and it had 11. Uh, 111 comments. And so for us, the algorithm is crushing it, but we figured out what works there. And so we just keep feeding the beast. Yeah. Right. Figure out what works and keep doing what works until they change the rules. Well done. Way to, way to exploit uh, that change to your advantage. Um, make sure, tell everybody what the account name is. It's uh, Schweiden Sons. So it's, you know, just at, at our company name at Schweiden Sons. At Schweiden Sons. We'll make sure to link it up in the show notes too. go to socialpros.com uh, to get the notes on this show and all 250 some episodes we've done on this program. Uh, and we'll actually embed one of the, we'll try and find that uh, that post and embed it into the blog post uh, so you can see it for yourself. Um, Rev, one of the things that I think is really interesting how you handle your marketing, especially because you've got this multi-tier distribution system, which is somewhat similar to the alcohol distribution system, um, is that you are creating a lot of content, not even necessarily in social, but but true content marketing that is of interest to and benefits your customers um, or your customers' customers, which is really terrific. So, for example, uh, you you've made a, a social media marketing checklist ebook that individual restaurants and distributors can use to do their own social media better. You do a quarterly, I think it's quarterly, a burger trends report where you figure out what's really happening in the industry uh, and, and what kind of burgers restaurants might think about adding to their menu. They just give away all that information where typically they'd have to pay for it. That is a very long-term play, a very utility, if you will, uh, approach to, to content marketing and, and helping your customers. Obviously, I'm a big, big, big fan of that approach. And, and I'd love to ask you kind of how you came to that place and, and whether that was a difficult sell for a company that perhaps had not done those kind of things before you came on board. So plug, plug, plug. One of the very first things I did when I started here was buy a copy of Utility and hand it to the owner of the company. So 
there was that. Uh, <laughs> and, and I'm waiting for my burgers in return. You just send me the address will be delivered by our executive producer. Uh, I will not tell anybody that you're distributing burgers directly because I know it's against the law, but I'm going to overlook that. Thank you. That's very kind of you to say. <laughs> it's a true story. He appreciated it. He said, I get this. Just go figure that out and do it. Um, but again, it goes back to the conversation I was saying earlier, like what sets us different. I will tell you that we make the very best burgers in the business and you can try them and tell me if you agree or not. Hopefully you do. Otherwise you're just plain wrong. That's okay. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily make a sale and it doesn't necessarily keep a customer. So we had to think about what makes a customer want to work with us. It could be the price. It could be customer service. It could be the quality of the product. It could be, do they work with the distributor? There's all these things that like in or are not out of our control. Cause again, remember beef's a commodity. We don't control the price. You know, we control a little margin, but it fluctuates all the time. So we wanted to come up with ways to give back to our customers. So they saw us as being more valuable than just somebody who grinds a hamburger. Um, and so one of the first tasks I was given here was like, Hey, get us connected to our customers better. And like I said, we don't sell them directly. So I said, well, since we don't know who they are, let's just bait the hook. And I thought if we could put stuff out there like the Burger Trends Report, uh, like our hospitality marketing podcast, um, like the number of HubSpot touch, potty, uh, touch point emails we do, it gave us an ability to connect to them and give a value and build a relationship that wasn't just on, hey, buddy, how are you? Uh, we wanted to provide value that was really, really universal to a specific audience to, to bring value and also sort of set ourselves as thought leaders in the space. Rev, you mentioned that burger trends report. And I think that's a really interesting concept. You know, overall, what you're doing at Schweid and Sons, I think is, is so exciting. You know, back in the late 80s, early 90s, Intel kind of came up with this whole idea of the ingredient brand. You know, that Intel is this thing on the inside of your computer that, you know, makes the computer work, but you really don't know about it. In fact, you know, you, you are typifying the whole ingredient concept here as well. Because you are kind of B2B to C, I'm curious how you found using the Burger Trends Report, the things you're doing on Instagram that are reaching certainly the chefs, that certainly are reaching kind of the, the, uh, the, the, the procurement people at larger restaurants and, and other food service places. How is all that working and how are you differentiating between your users, the chefs and the cooks and the, and, and the restaurateurs and your consumers who are, the first, of course, the folks who are enjoying tasty burgers? I love that question. It makes me look smart if I can answer it well. So let's see how we do. Uh, so we realized, you know, when we started here, I was looking at, you know, look, we didn't have a marketing department before me. We didn't have branding. We didn't have any of these things. And so I could have started it from fresh. And I didn't want to look at our social media channels or our website or any of these content plays as just being a broadcast piece for the brand. And so I thought, well, let's build social and digital channels that allow us to participate in the larger burger conversation so that, you know, when we do want to talk about an initiative we're working on or a product we're releasing or something, it's in the 20% of product we're putting out there and it just feels natural. So I think to kind of get around to the answer of the question you're asking, so we'll have, uh, by example, so we'll have a new restaurant in New York City that opened a couple weeks ago. They had one location before, they had a tiny little kitchen. They were making sliders. They didn't really couldn't do much of that, but they loved us. They opened a second location and they said, Hey, we have a full kitchen here. Can you come in and show us how to make full size burgers? Can you help us come up with a menu design? And so look, this is a single location. We don't make a ton of money off single locations, but we love those people. We sat down, we helped them create a burger. And the first thing I did after I tasted the burger, which blew me away, I put it in our Instagram channel, right? 
I tagged in a bunch of local influencers and just wrote, you need to eat this burger. Uh, long story short, a couple weeks later, it's like one of the top burgers on Instagram in New York City. Everybody's talking about it. And because we had built these channels where we can participate in, in the burger and food conversation, we can help our customers be basically launch uh, and have a platform that they can use. So I guess really to sum that up in one sentence, my department acts like an agency on behalf of our customers. I mean, it really is. And, and I know you have some very large customers uh, that people would be familiar with. And you probably have some, as you said, mom and pops, one store operations that are, that are making, making burgers and, and other things. And I think certainly you have that ability to, uh, to help cross promote uh, those particular brands. You really are, you know, you know I know we had, um, we had uh, Dan uh, from Coca-Cola on uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, a lot of what Coca-Cola does is kind of co-op marketing. Where when you see that Coca-Cola cup in a um, you know in a Wendy's commercial, or uh, you see the Coca-Cola menu board at your your local little you know kind of dive restaurant, that's something that Coca-Cola has furnished. In a way, you're not building signs that say Schwab and Company Sons, and you're not you're not actually doing ad units, but you are certainly promoting those those brands. Yeah, we would rather somebody talk about us than us talk about ourselves. There's the perception that millennials, you know, are more focused kind of on the sourcing of ingredients and the foods that they eat. And are you finding that that's true? And is that impacting kind of how you market and how you promote yourself to your customers, you know, the, the restaurateurs? Are, are you ready for some hashtag real talk? I'm always ready for hashtag real talk. So I think that people who are making those choices and people who talk about that are standing on the backs of a lot of educated people before them and may have not done all of the research necessary to get to the true answer or the true meaning of that stuff. Uh, we actually just did an episode on our podcast about this where we interviewed somebody from Monsanto. Uh, but w the problem that we see, so a restaurant might call us and say, listen, I want an you know organic burger or an all natural or a no antibiotics or a certified humane. And we have all these, right? So then they might buy that meat from us, but is the bun that is the cheese is the lettuce is the soda is the plastic straw they used is the dishwashing liquid that they're using. What's the green practices that they have in their electricity. And so I think that a lot of restaurant operators aren't prepared to fully go the whole way and that a lot of consumers are a little blind in thinking that whole way through. So they might look at the meat in the burger and go, oh, this is certified humane and then overlook everything else. And it's a little bit of a hypocrisy to me. Um, the conversation is definitely getting more and more popular, but I think the conversation is going to lead to more conversation because of what I just said. No, I think that's a very good point. And, and certainly, I think as marketers, I mean, if we go back to the 70s and David Ogilvy, you know, concepting the unique selling proposition, you know, the focus was, okay, you only have to talk about one thing. You know, in this case, maybe it is the, as you said, humanely harvested beef, you know, and you can do everything else really, really crappily. Um, but I think today's millennial and today's consumer, I think if, if Rev, what I hear from you is, 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 is correct, Unique selling proposition, one thing doesn't work for them anymore. Well, I mean, I think it works right now, but I don't think it's going to work as a long-term solution. And, and I'll say this too, our product only has one ingredient, beef. So if you're coming to us, that's all we use. When you talk to other people in your industry, so as you call them purveyors or manufacturers of, of ingredients, of, of food products, um, how are they using social? And do you see anything 
that that you're doing that really kind of stands stands a front? I mean, certainly when when people initially think of B two B marketing, which is a lot of what 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 you're initially doing, they think of oh, that's just LinkedIn. But here you are using Instagram. Here you are using some really powerful tools. What it's it's so much more than just LinkedIn, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, we use LinkedIn, but we're sharing the type of content that makes sense to share on LinkedIn. So, you know, how to use Instagram better, what kind of lighting works in your restaurants, you know, how to make a better menu design. But we don't look, you know, we look at each channel as having its own value. So to like Instagram to us is participating in, you know, the the hero burger conversation. We just want to look at great burgers and then how can we use that for something else? And, you know, Twitter is a little bit more of a customer service play to us. And Pinterest is more about recipes. So, you know, we look at each channel as how it's supposed to, how it really works best and, and how it can serve the needs of people who like burgers. And if that comes back to play for us, then, then all the better, you know, as far as our, our competition and I don't know, we don't necessarily sit around and think about what they do all the time. We just try to think about how to make ourselves better. Um, I don't think that there's a lot of them out there doing this. And even if you go to a company that might have, you know, m- you know, millions and millions of marketing dollars, like a Heinz, you know, or Coca-Cola, I don't think that they're looking this granular either. Um, when it comes to supporting customers or doing marketing support, I think they have these more of these like scalable blanket programs where it's like here, download a POS or you know, here's some napkins, stuff like that. So, you know, I, I don't really know that other people are going this route. It might be the way of the future. I hope not because we'd like to just own it ourselves. This has got to be a kind of a great time to, to be at Schweiden Sons. I mean, you've got this great heritage, but we really are kind of in a renaissance of, of burgers. I mean, within probably three blocks of where I live in Austin, I've got like three or four, what I would call kind of premium burger bars, you know, not your, your fast, uh, you know, not, not your fast food, some kind of more quick service, more. And every Vegas casino has one, like <laughs> every single one. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, this is the time of the burger. So my, my question for you, maybe a little bit off topic, Rev, is what is the origin of the burger? Where, where did, where did this whole concept come? Is, is the burger an American creation or is it, is it come from, you know, somebody who took an Italian meatball and kind of accidentally stepped on it and said, oh, let's put that between some, some, some bread. So there are three parts to this story, and I will give them to you as briefly as possible. Uh, There are links to Genghis Khan. Uh, apparently when Genghis Khan and the Mongols were taking over Asia during their time, uh, he was so bloodthirsty that he didn't want to stop to eat. Like that was a waste of time to him. So they would put meat under the saddles of their horses and it would tenderize and they would have to eat while they were riding. And so some people look at that as the very first burger. Um, the next part of that story, uh, goes to the mid 1800s in Hamburg, Germany, where they invented the Hamburg steak, which was kind of like a burger, but not really. It came with sauce and onions. Um, then when those German immigrants, this is part three, started to come to New York City, uh, there were restaurants in New York City that served it. And it was uh, Louis Lassen on July 29th, 1900. That is the birthday of the hamburger, by the way, uh, at Louis's lunch in New Haven, Connecticut. He was the first person to take that Hamburg steak, put it between two pieces of bread, put a cheese. I think he put a slice of tomato on it and hand it to somebody. And that was what is uh, recognized by the Library of Congress as the very first hamburger. Tomato, tomato, the, uh, the, 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 the ground zero for, uh, for, for, for burgers. Uh, wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't they be surprised where, where we are today? Yes, Rev, Rev, I got one more question for you before, uh, before I hand it over uh, back to my awesome colleague, Jay, uh, with some other questions and commercials. But I know you do a lot of email marketing. I know that's a big part of your kind of marketing mix. Are you doing anything kind of at the intersection of email and social? Uh, give me an example of what you mean. Well, you know, I think 
email marketing certainly has shown its its value, especially when you have kind of a, a trade uh, and a very focused audience. And certainly the content that you and Jay talked about that you're creating is nothing short of phenomenal. I mean, whether it's the Burger Trends report or the other kind of white papers, uh, or you should call maybe tasty, you know, red, rare colored uh, you know, <laughs> papers. Um, but you know, have you done anything kind of around using, you know, looking at the audience of who you're trying to reach in social, looking at that audience in email and trying to say, hmm, there's some consistencies here, or hmm, maybe we can use one to kind of cross promote the other. We haven't too far, and I'll tell you why. This is so specific to our company and to our industry. So if you look at it from a like a lead generation uh, process, most of our leads aren't sitting at a computer all day. They're a chef or they're a GM of a restaurant. And so they're on mobile all day or they're, they're on their phone. Or they don't read like the emails. And so it's really difficult for us to use social or email to generate leads because that's traditionally just not where those people look. It's not like a software company where it's like, Oh, I have this problem. I need to just Google how to solve that. Let me look at the three companies. Like, Almost every single restaurant in existence is using a purveyor or a distributor or a broker. And so if they need to make a cheese, to, uh, a change to their bun or their cheese or their spoons or, you know, napkins, they just call their broker or distributor and say, hey, bring me three new options. Right. And so we work with brokers and distributors to get those leads. So from a, a social and email standpoint, it's really hard for us to do that. So we don't focus a lot of energy on it because we know even if we could make one or two leads, the amount of effort it would take to put that together just would not be a great use of our time. Rev, one of the things that that is a trend now is Lots of different things on burgers, right? You see the fried egg, you see the pulled pork, you see the hatch green chilies. It's it, it's well beyond sort of cheese or or chili uh, or caramelized onions. If if you're sitting at home, you are now a burger expert and a longstanding burger expert, and we'll get to that story uh, after the break. But if you're at home and you're just making a burger, like what is your what is your deal? What is your recommendation as an expert for the right way to serve a burger without necessarily bastardizing it with uh, too many ingredients on top? Oh man, this is a difficult question. So I'm going to give you a couple cooking tips and then I'm going to give you a build tip. So uh, cooking, whenever possible, always cook on a flat surface, right? Uh, people love the backyard grill. It's still romantic to me thinking about hanging out with my dad and cooking burgers, but the grated surface is not the best way to cook a burger. You lose so much of the juice. If you're going to cook outside on a grill, either get like one of those washable grill mats to put over the top or just bring a, a, a cast iron skillet outside and cook it on that. I cook almost all of mine in my kitchen at home. So high heat, sear the outside, always season your burger. Those would be my cooking tips. Now, from a build tip, I actually kind of feel the opposite way. I am no longer just doing like cheese in a bun. I'm I'm so over the top now that my current uh, build obsession is a frita cubana. Have you ever had a frita cubana? I I don't think so, but I cannot wait for the next paragraph. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's sort of like the it, it's the native burger to you know South Florida Miami uh, when the when the Puerto Ricans started coming over to Florida they brought this with them and now it's sort of having a revolution but it's basically a burger patty that's been spiced with like uh, cumino and uh, paprika and some other spices sometimes there's chorizo mixed in and then it's covered in uh, in papas which are like uh, sh- uh, very thin shoestring fried potatoes uh, it has a sauce and then I tr- that's untraditional but I put them acabayo, which means with an egg, and con queso, which is cheese. So for me, two patties, uh, shaved potatoes, an egg, cheese, and then a heaping of uh, like a Puerto Rican sauce. Or I'm sorry, a Cuban sauce. 
Wow. Okay, we're gonna need a photo of that too for the blog post. Uh, you got to send us one of those so we can make sure. And if we have a recipe link on your website, uh, we'll we'll make sure to direct people there as well. It was fascinating looking at your site, uh, all the different grinds that you make for for different restaurants and how. Uh, you know, a burger is obviously not a burger, not a burger that, that different restaurants have a very specific grind uh, with different uh, concentrations of uh, of chuck and other types of, of meat. Uh, when, when they make their order to the distributor, do you then have to figure out that blend or are they ordering something that you've already put together? So we we custom grind to order, uh, which makes it real difficult to be our production team. We don't make the meat until somebody orders it. So it's not like we just have them in stock. So what will happen is we'll send a sales guy uh, or girl to go meet with an operator and they'll say, look, I want this type of burger. So it could be, uh, you know, 80% Chuck, some Chuck flap and uh, this much hanger. And it needs to cut at 72, 28. So we run to the lab. We try to figure that out as close as we can. And as long as they're ordering a certain capacity, we'll make it for them. Um, if they're not over a, capa- a certain capacity, it's difficult to make those because of, you know, uh, the line time. We're a very small, small facility. Uh, but for the most part, we just go work with the chef or restaurant and try to come up with as close as we can. And, and do you supply them typically already in patties or, or bulk and then they get hand patties at the restaurants? So we only make one thing, that's ground beef. Um, there's only one ingredient in any of our products, that's beef, but we have 978 SKUs. So th- that, that could incredible. be- incredible. That could be, f- and th- it's down, it was 1400 when I started here. Um, that could be fresh, that could be bulk, that could be, we have two types of bulk product. We have uh, f- four different, f- three different formations and 19 sizes for preform. So, I mean, it's really, cu- it's custom. It's what do you want? We'll, we'll figure out how to make it. In, wow. in fact, we I haven't seen it. I know it exists, but we have a plate room where we that we use the plates to make the burgers. And I've been here two and a half years. I've not found it, but we do have one. Where we can make a wolf paw shaped burger. Well, I mean, that just seems like a no brainer. I mean, if you're going to make wolf paw shaped burgers, that that you got to do some sort of joint venture with somebody. Well, we did that. We made it. That was a customer that said, oh, we're going to make so much volume. We want this. And so we made it for them. Uh, and funny story, they put it on the menu and it scared little kids. So they stopped ordering it. <laughs> Scares me. And I'm a middle-aged man. So I, I totally see where they're coming from. Yeah. So dinosaur uh, shaped chicken nuggets are okay, but yeah. wolf paw shaped burgers are I, not okay. You know what? Everybody has their limits. Uh, you know who else has, has their limits? Uh, the people at Yext. Yext is one of our favorite sponsors or sponsor the podcast this week uh, based in New York City, the leaders in in geo-based marketing. Where they have their limits is on Snapchat geo filters gone wrong. We talked about Snapchat and Snapchat geo filters on the show uh, a fair bit. And one of the things that can go uh, askew, askance, if you will, is when you set up a geo filter, but the actual coordinates of the location are not correct. And this is because your mobile data or the mobile data of the location is not correct in the many, many, many databases out there that that pull that information. So uh, databases at, at Google, at Yelp, at Instagram, uh, and other places. And so what Yext does is they help you figure out exactly how to make sure that that location data is correct. So that when you sit up, set up this nifty Snapchat geo filter for your business, it actually lays over your actual geography as opposed to the business next door, which I've actually had happen to me personally. So check it out. Spend a little time. If you've got any interest in Snapchat geo filters uh, and what I assume will be the Instagram geo filters coming soon to a phone near you uh download this free guide it is a yex guide to snapchat uh it is at yext.com y-e-x-t yext.com slash 
Snapchat. Also this week, the show is brought to you by our friends at Emma. Uh, Emma have a terrific uh, free ebook called Your Brain on Email, The Science to Winning the Inbox. Uh, or perhaps, uh, as Josh Burnoff said on our show a couple weeks ago, it should just be called The Science to Winning the Inbox. That was so fun, Adam, when we had him uh, we had him dissect all of our commercials. That was a super great time. Real-time answers from a very smart It was guy. so great. Yeah. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that show, go into your uh, podcast listening app right now and uh, and download the episode when we're done here that we did recently with Josh Burnoff, whose new book uh, is really fantastic. It's called Writing Without Bullshit. So Emma, one of our sponsors, has this free ebook called Your Brain on Email, The Science to Winning the Inbox. And they did a bunch of, uh, of brain science uh, research and found six different things that really make you want to click on an email or want to open an email. It's little things, uh, but really fascinating things like color and positioning and, and small word changes. So check it out. You'll learn a lot. I certainly did. Go to myemma.com. That's my E-M-M-A, myemma.com slash jbear, J-A-Y. B-A-E-R, and you can download that. And also this week, of course, the show is brought to you by our friends at Salesforce Marketing Cloud, uh, the employers of the executive strategist du jour, Adam Brown. And uh, lots of folks who listen to the show are doing paid social because as we talked about a minute ago with Rev, organic social, especially on Facebook, is a little rough these days, to say the least. And so people are in some cases turning to paid. And when you do that, especially if you're going to go cross channel, it can be a little bit of a hassle to be managing campaigns on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, all separately, different logins, different custom audiences, different reporting, different budgets, different credit cards. In some cases, it's kind of a hassle. So what Salesforce Marketing Cloud did is they said, well, we can solve this problem. We're smart guys. We got tech people. Hell, we have Adam Brown. So they built what's called Advertising Studio. Advertising Studio allows you to buy your paid social media ads in one place, cross-channel. Use your audiences in one to target to another, vice versa, unified reporting, one login, one billing statement. It is pretty slick. Check it out for yourself at bit.ly slash advertising studio. That's bit.ly slash advertising studio. That's Advertising Studio from our friends at Salesforce Marketing Cloud. Adam, back to you to talk to Rev about his background. And I, I've been anticipating this part of the show for a while because of all all of the guests on this podcast, which is a number of people, uh, Rev's background is is right up there in the top tier of most fascinating. So take it away. It, it is hashtag legendary. I think we would we would say Rev CNCO, uh, director of marketing for Schweid and Sons. Awesome to have you on the show. And as Jay teed up, what a uh, what a pedigree. Now I will say I mean, you're obviously doing incredible work uh, there at Schweid and Sons, but I cannot imagine other than you being one of the sons of Mr. Schweid, you ever sitting, you know, as a six or seven year old going, God, you know, I, I want to do marketing for a, you know, for a ground beef manufacturer one day. It's not, it's not the job that we all think about. You have done some amazing things to kind of get to this point uh, with beer, sommelier, you've been in the food and beverage industry, you've done things completely different. So tell us, tell our listeners how you got to this point. So thank you. You're very flattering. Um, I was a co-ed naked skydiver. No, I joke. Um, so <laughs> prior to uh, prior to working at Schweid and Sons, uh, I was I used to run my own agency in the music business. So I was working with uh, touring bands all over the world and doing big festivals and Grammy nominations and all this blah blah blah. Uh, and one day I got in an argument with one of my bands over MySpace, and I was like, "Why did you not up?" 
update your MySpace last night. You know, why aren't you on Twitter? This is like 2006, I guess. And they were like, we're too busy. I'm like, you're not too busy. Like, I don't care how many times you had to talk to this fan or whatever. Like one of you needs to update this. And they were just like, you don't know what's like on the road. And I said to them, okay, I'm going to start my own social media property just to show you that I can manage your business, your international business, the other five bands we work with, plus all of my other clients in the music business and start this interesting social media property. And I will outline last you on social media. And at the time, the guitarist of the band just said whatever and hung up on me. Uh, and I launched a blog called Burger Conquest. And the whole idea behind Burger Conquest was I wanted to go eat hamburgers with my friends. And that's all it was at first. I would post a burger, an address, and say this was really good. Well, long story short, most of those bands don't exist anymore. Um, I'm not in that industry. And uh, that website went on to become one of the world's top three hamburger blogs. And I've done, I think, 13 or 14 TV shows since then. Uh, Cake Boss did an entire episode about on me. I've been on, I couldn't, I can't I can even list you go to my website and you can find them all. Um, but the interesting part of that story is one day I was at a burger festival here in New York city and there were three purveyors there. One was burger maker, one was uh, a competitor and one was whole foods. And I went up and I ate at the burger at each of them. And I went over and I ate the one at Burger Maker and it blew me away. Like I'd never tasted anything like it. And there was a gentleman there in a Burger Maker shirt. And I walked up to him. I said, excuse me, do you work with this company? He said, yeah, my name's Jamie Schwab. My dad started the company in 1978. I said, this is the very best burger I've ever eaten in my life. Uh, and I went and I put that on my blog. Um, years later, uh, Jamie Schwab calls me when I was running my marketing agency and selling ads for uh, Bank of America, which by the way, you know who wants to buy ads from Bank of America? No one. Um, anyway, Jamie calls me and says, hey, look, we're going to start doing branding and marketing around here. We've never done any of that before. You're a marketing guy. You're also a burger guy. You're kind of the only one in the world that would get this. Can I run these agency proposals past you and you just tell me what you think? And I said, sure. You know, Jamie's my friend. I, I like his burgers. I'll help him out. And then I called Jamie and I was like, you know, I do marketing and branding. And he's like, oh, do you want to put in a proposal? And I said, sure. And so I created an 84 page PowerPoint presentation uh, and I sat in front of Brad and Jamie for three and a half hours going over it. And the very last slide said, when do I start? Um, the fun part of that conversation is that they made me do two more interviews. <laughs> Rev, you're, you're too modest. Uh, first off, what an amazing kind of employment uh, story that, you know, it really literally started uh, with a bite of a burger um, and that you end up being director of marketing at, at Schwab and Sons. You also just kind of glossed, glossed over the fact that you've been on 13 different TV shows, which I think you're probably the only person other than my, my, my co-host here, Jay Bear, that's been on, you know, that many different TV shows. You've also... I have not been on nearly that many TV shows. I've been on a shit ton of podcasts, but not uh, <laughs> not nearly that many TV shows. Third, uh, for sure. So Rev absolutely wins. Although I, do, I will say, fun, uh, fun thing connecting Rev and myself, the Cake Boss also did an episode of Cake Boss at my wife's family farm a couple years ago. So uh, oh, I've yeah. got that going for me. I'll have to look that one up. This is the Kevin Bacon, you know, version of uh, of, of the program. <laughs> You've also been in eight music videos, one of which made it to number one on an MTV chart. I mean, I, I don't know where to go. I'm just going to take it away. It's just, it's, 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 it's gold. 
Well, I've, thank you. I've always said he who dies with the most stories wins. So I look at my entire life as just collecting funny stories. But yeah, I mean, when I was in 16 years old, I was obsessed with radio and I wanted to be a DJ really badly. And I went to college at Michigan State University under a telecommunications major. And I ended up running our college radio station. Um, that came out of nowhere too. One night I happened to be calling the request line on the heavy metal show and make a request. And I'd called a couple times and they happened to be looking for a new host. And they said, would you be interested in doing this? And I ran over to the studio and a week later the show was mine and a year later I was the program director. Uh, And then I got my first job in radio and it is the worst job you could ever have in the universe. Some people might say being a trash man is worse, but they get paid way more. Um, and that led me to New York where I was doing stuff in the music business. And it just, it's, uh, you know, I've just followed my passion. So my passion was music. My passion was burgers. And look, I've had, I've sat in Dave Grohl's studio and, and, and talk with him about, you know, what makes a guitar solo great. And to me, it was just doing work. And, you know, I, we run the burger bash at uh, South beach food and wine fest. And again, to me, it's, it's just work. So, you know, it, it was about, you know, following my passion and what excited me and then trying to figure out how to make that, uh, into some level of a professional career. I, I, and I also think I'm a little lucky. Well, you demonstrate certainly that idea of, of, of following what, what you're passionate about. And I think my, my kind of last question for you is you, you really kind of show, I think that the, this trifecta between, I think music and certainly, you know, kind of food and beverage, um, they all kind of fit together. And I've always wondered why, why, why is the music industry and then, you know, and, and food so, 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 so tightly intertwined, certainly in your career and certainly in kind of as the way that we all, we all see it. Any, any thoughts on that? Well, it's actually pretty scientific. So when you eat something you really like, the react, the chemical reaction in your brain is the same as listening to a song you like, watching a TV show you like, seeing somebody you like, or even the euphoria that you would get from drugs. So from a scientific level, it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. One thing we didn't, a- we didn't ask you to do, and we should, uh, before we ask you the two questions that we ask all of our guests, is to, is to name check some of your customers. So when people are out there, thinking like, hey, I should have a burger. They can be like, hey, I know the guys who make the meat in this burger. So where can uh, Social Buzz listeners uh, get their jaws on some Schweiden Sons? Oh, man. So that's a pretty specific question. We don't have a ton of national accounts. We work with a lot of, like we said earlier, smaller accounts. So I would tell anybody if they really want to know to tweet or Instagram or Facebook at Schweiden Sons, and it'll be me answering. And I will tell you the one in your area. Uh, but the ones that you might have heard of, uh, Fuddruckers is us, Cheesecake Factory is us, and Five Guys is us. And you might think, oh, I thought they said they were a small company, but we have been with Five Guys since they were four stores. So wow. it's not like it's not like we're this giant company. We have grown with them, and, and they have grown with us. But you know, for the most part, that, that those size companies. Oh, also uh, Bobby Bobby Flay's Burger Palace is ours. But those are kind of the anomaly in what we do. We work with a ton of like onesie, twosie, five or less. So you know, you got somebody wants to tweet or Facebook or Instagram at us and ask where the, can they get a Schweid burger in their town. I, I will be able to answer that question. I love it. My next door neighbor owns five or six, five guys. So I'm going to direct him to this podcast. Uh, as soon as it's up, he will be very, very excited. Well, if he ever wants to come visit, I would be happy to take him on a plant tour. And that extends to the two of you as well. If you've never seen like a, a you know, high end ground beef be made, it's pretty mind boggling. I am so in on that. Yeah. And I'm going to be in New York, uh, New York area three times this fall. So we're going to make that happen. Make that happen. I'll also have to take you on a uh, patented Rev Ciencio burger crawl. A burger crawl. Everything about a burger crawl sounds great. Uh, I am very excited about that. Thank you for your kindness. Um, and ask you the two questions that we ask every single person here on the Social Pros podcast. 
The first one is, is Rev, what one tip would you give somebody who's looking to become a social pro? So I hope at some point this goes onto my tombstone or somebody makes a t-shirt with my face on it, but because I say it all the time, be awesome at two things and two things only and outsource, hire, or partner for everything else. Nobody is a jack of all trades. Nobody will ever be a jack of all trades. Just be great at two things. And those two things can be of your own choosing. Uh, or, you know, I don't know, I guess we don't really, we're really not in Cold War Soviet Russia anymore, so it's not going to be decided for you, but yes. I love that. I, that it's a really good piece of advice. It's different yeah. than what we've had on the show in the past. And uh, one of the things that, that I've tried to do as we grow the Convince to Convert organization is to is to replace myself in as many different ways as possible so that I end up just focusing on the things that I'm uniquely qualified to do. I, I can't... I can't have somebody else host this show, but certainly Jess Ostroff and our amazing team uh, at Don't Panic Management do all the things other than host the show. They edit the show, they produce the show, they promote the show, uh, all those kind of things. So, man, that's really good advice. Uh, and, and I completely agree. It's one of the things that I think a lot of newer social media professionals really struggle with is trying to be good at everything. Well, I got to do a little Instagram and I got to, you know, I got to be pretty good at blogging and I got to be good at YouTube. And it's like, well, I mean, you might have to have a presence in all those places, but you're, but you know, you're never going to be great at all of them. And and I think uh, our friend Gary Vaynerchuk, who's been on the show twice, uh, I think sometimes causes people to go down a, a dark alley in that regard because he is good at everything, but he's not. He actually has a whole team helping him. He just doesn't necessarily uh, portray it that way. And so I think people say, "Well, Gary can do it, so I can do it, and I can be everywhere all the time." And and you can't. You can't be great at everything. So good advice, Rev. Thank you. I listen to your show question. a lot. So, <laughs> ah, excellent. The last question is: uh, is um, if you could do a Skype call with any living person, who would it be and why? So, I've had a long time to prepare for this question because I've been a long time listener to the show. So, you have to bear with me for a second here. I got to give you my thought process. So, at one point, I would have definitely said Pete Townsend because the Who's my favorite band of all time, and I have a ton yeah. of questions. They kind of don't really matter. I would also love to talk to Barack Obama, and I think that's kind of a cop-out answer, but political party preferences aside, I find him to be intelligent, well-spoken, and have incredible insight on the current state of the country. Uh, I also think he has an incredible voice, but if I want to go hear him talk, I'll just go to the web, right? Yep. There also would have been a time that my answer would have been in Jay Bear, but now that I've been on your show and you've been on my podcast, that's no longer a wish. You need to shoot way, way higher. <laughs> way, way higher. So my answer is Sylvia Lagnato. I don't know who that, that is. Yeah. I don't know who that is. She is the executive vice president and global chief marketing officer for McDonald's. And I'll tell you why I'd like to talk to her. They're the second largest restaurant chain in the world behind Subway. Uh, and for being someone who's obsessed with hospitality, marketing, and branding, I would love to know what goes into one single marketing campaign put forth by that company. Yeah. I, I can't imagine like the complexity, the time it takes to plan, the impact, the number of people involved, how they test. You know, we all sit around in armchair politic, our favorite brands, you know, they should do this, they should do that. And why can't they do this? But we have like no idea what it takes to make even like the smallest little move in an operation that big. And I would love to get inside her head. Yeah, when they do something like saying, hey, let's go all day breakfast, 
like what that requires operationally is like is just insane like we can't even fathom it that's a really good that's a really good call that would be fascinating uh, a couple of fun facts one my very first job at mcdonald's ever uh two if you're interested in the mcdonald's story uh, rick wyan who is their former uh, head of social media was on this podcast uh, and so you can go to socialpros.com uh, and look through the archives or just go to convince or socialpros.com and click uh, mcdonald's in the search bar and you will find that episode with rick who talked all about how they do social media at scale uh at that point and that show was probably two years ago three years ago maybe i don't know it was a while but even at that point they were doing something like a hundred thousand tweets a week yeah. to them which is really fourteen thousand four hundred really facebook crazy. pages yeah from mcdonald's Amazing. yeah it's really something rev thank you so much for being on the show it was fantastic as expected really really happy about all the progress that you've made at schweiden sons you are revolutionizing the burger industry remember folks uh tweet them anytime uh, you are in an area You're like where's the best burger uh they will set you straight make sure you go to socialpros.com to check out uh rev's favorite burger recipes photos the whole thing and of course the archives from all of our shows Thank you, guys. It's been a real pleasure. I, I've been looking forward to this for a long time, and I'm, I'm super stoked to talk to you. I appreciate it. And I should also, just a quick plug, make sure that uh, if you're listening to podcasts, or if you're listening to this show, you may love Rev's show, which is called Like, Bite, and Share, a terrific podcast called Like, Bite, and Share. So search for that in your uh, podcast player as well. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks as always for listening to the show. We love each and every one of you. Uh, I'll say it again as I have for the last couple of weeks. Um, if you get a second, just stop listening to the show. Go to your email. Send me a note, j at jbear.com. j at jbear.com. That's my real email address. And just let me know who you are and what you do. We always want to know kind of who our listeners are and what kind of industries they're in. We've got a ton of emails uh, from people. Adam and I love reading them. We respond to all of them. So if you get a chance, uh, send us a note. We'd love to hear from you. Until next week, I am Jay Bear from Convince to Convert. He is Adam Brown from Sales. Salesforce Marketing Cloud, and this has been Social Pros. Thanks for tuning in to Social Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to socialpros.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Social Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, Emma, Salesforce Marketing Cloud, and by Yext, and is produced by Convince and Convert Media. Find more great shows like Social Pros at marketingpodcast.com the first search engine for marketing podcasts. Podcast imaging by...